Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello everyone, this is Umar Hamid, your host, and welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategies, and advice on how to make you better, stronger, faster. Get ready for another episode. Hey everyone, today I have the privilege of having Dr. Robert Peterson, PhD, joining me today. He's the Dean's Distinguished Professor at the Northern Illinois University and the founding member of the Sales Enablement Society. Rob, welcome to the program. Welcome, thank you. Great to be here. It's great to be wherever Umar is, you know? The reason I was so excited to talk to you is you are grooming the next generation of salespeople coming into the marketplace. I really wanted to get some keen insights on you know, what drives their behavior. How can companies manage this new sales force coming in so we can maximize their effectiveness? Because they are effective. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> here's a cool thing about, about the next generation, the Zs or the Zoomers. Um, they're the coolest generation ever. No one's ever done what we're about, what, that we're doing, um, yada, yada, yada. It's the same thing every generation. And so, um, and the same things that, that, that we, you know, the, the millennials were taken out to the woodshed for, the, the Zs are being, gonna, you know, <clears throat> do they, they don't listen, where's the motivation, they don't take notes, yada, yada, yada. And I, surprising, Umar, that that was us too back in the day, correct? What's interesting is I have these defining moments in my life. And one of the defining moments was this guy called Mr. Higdon. He was our English teacher. He was like a radical. So he didn't teach anything in t- the entire year except for just talk to the students. And it was like, oh, I need an exam done or something at the end. But one of the things he did was he read a letter explaining the exact same thing that you are talking about. Hmm. We're going to hold in a handbasket, the next generation, they're lazy, they don't listen, they don't do this. He said, can you date this? And it was like, sure. Like not the 1950s, the 1940s. And it was an ancient letter they found in you know, like uh, BC era from one father <laughs> writing to another father. And it was like, nothing changes. The human condition is the same. Correct. Correct. So tell me what you're seeing with this next generation. Like what well, are the things that really drive them? Uh, being a, a college professor, I'll share some anecdotal stuff. But yeah. um, but certainly, you know, we're we're numbers people, we're research people. So I grabbed some stuff from uh, Gartner that showed the difference between at the same age uh, uh, element. Um, they asked millennials and they asked uh, Z's the same question and the qu- series of questions and the measures were that 21 uh there 21 uh, points uh higher were the z's on tenacity um really uh, once i set my once i set my mind to do something i do not stop or give up regardless of the obstacles versus the millennial generation 21 points higher on that on that measure um and the 17 higher on I always strive to obtain expert skills or knowledge. So it's those are I mean, those are different. I mean, those are statistically different uh, between the generations. Now, at the same time, there are 43 points less. Um, it is important to me um, to have fun. And they were 43, 43 points less. It's important to me to have fun and forget about my problems. That is not this this generation. So um, so there definitely are differences. Again, 
these are sweeping generalities. Um, everybody is, is slightly different. The human condition is different. In fact, if you look at what the Zs have grown up with, and again, the Zs are, um, as we sit here in 2020, the Zs are generally 20, max would be 24. Generally, the first end is 23, all the way down to they're still in, they're still in middle school, getting out of grade school. Um, so they're, they're, I mean, that's the age, age bracket. But if you look at those kids, a lot of them came to, uh, I mean, growing up in their households, it was 2008 where people were, were losing their house. People were, 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 were making sure that they had food to put on the table. Right. Um, so that condition, when you're seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, it affects you. So the idea and you know the parenting skills and uh, and and whatnot the impression era people right that came yes. through that had a yeah. different view on what the world looked like well i'd see that i mean on this measure where it says hey fun is not is is so much different than my millennial um brothers and sisters ahead of me um that is that is huge that is okay i'm just gonna hunker down and do this bunker i'm gonna hide my bunker here and make sure that i'm i, I am expert i have the tenacity because i don't think life is as much about fun versus the last generation again you we asked that or when uh, but the survey asked that in 2018 and they asked millennials in 2010 of the same age so that maturation process will will change a little <clears throat> but i think you would say that yeah there's a difference that the this this coming z's are a little bit more serious than the previous generation brilliant so some of these uh young warriors uh- yeah yeah. In fact, that's that was another interesting uh, uh, difference between the generations. In 1979, 60% of us, had, and I was part of that, um, 60% of teens had a job. Now you fast forward to 2018, 20%. So in, in, let's just round it off for, for those listening. In 80, 60% of teens had held a job. Now um, it's about 20% in 2020. That's a totally different way to go through your teen years about responsibility, paycheck, yada yada yada. Um, so that's that'll that will be brought with you. Um, the idea of showing up, um, uh, paying your dues, having responsibility. I mean, some of the things are, I asked the students to give me uh, an annotated resume. What did you learn at each one of these jobs? And they, I didn't do anything of this and that. It's like, did you show up? Yes. Did you do what you were told? Yes. Did you interface with customers and make them happy when there was a problem? Did you, I mean, these are skills that if you don't have a job because you're at home playing sports all day or playing video games, these are some of the things you're going to have to learn somewhere. And it's going to be your first, you know, potentially your first full-time job, which is a little bit of a change for the marketplace. What are you hearing back from your students that are going out to do internships? What are they reporting back? Like, where are their struggles? Where don't employers value them? I would say that that it's much more positive than back in the day um, because we would do a lot of clerical stuff. Now, uh, you have to outline what you want this person to do, and this person generally gets to do a lot, a, some some meatier things than 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 we did, but they're. You know they're learning the same thing. If if here's my phone, <clears throat> they they use their phone for for this. The idea of doing this is different, and so when they're asked to do that, there's a right. learning there's a learning curve. The idea of how to leave a professional uh, voicemail, not something that they've been schooled in. When you and I were growing up, the phone rang, <clears throat> it was attached to the wall, it had a cord, and you answered it because 
in a long court. In a long court. <laughs> you answered it because you didn't know who was calling. You didn't know if it was the, the nurse at the school calling because your kid was sick or it was aluminum siding guy. So you answered the phone. Right. And so, and we, you know, in my house, we, because my dad was a career salesman, we had a regimen on how we were asked to answer the phone. And if you answered the phone and didn't take a message, you were no longer uh, allowed to talk on the phone. So some of these things that we've lost uh, because of progress, and trust me, progress is, is phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, when I tell stories about the students, it's like, yeah, when I left the office, I had a roll of quarters and I knew what um, phone booths that I was going to hit in order to call back to the office. And they're like, Oh, all right. Um, and in the winter where, you know, I was North. And so you'd find the phone booths that were inside. They had the door to close. They're like, where, where are you from? So they have some technological advantages, um, um, that employers love. <clears throat> in fact, I just heard a story the other day that there was a, um, from a faculty member at another university who said her son was asked, he was a finance major, come to our, come to our, uh, uh, office. We want you to do this and blah, blah, blah. So he's sitting there says, well, why does everybody, you know, get these reports from the stores? Why don't I just make it a, um, an Excel sheet and it would go a lot faster. And we're like, <clears throat> all right, go ahead. Well, in doing that, he found that for the last 20 years, there was an algorithm mistake, a math mistake. And so it was giving all the store managers more money, a bigger comp uh, bonus than, than, agree- than the agreement. It, someone who ever wrote it down did it wrong. So when he put it into Excel, um, he, he wasn't very popular amongst the uh, store owners because the company said, well, we've been overpaying yeah. for, for a decade or more. Um, but that is, you know, some of the things that the younger generation will bring is like, why do you do it that way? Why don't you use technology, um, or just have a different, uh, perspective. So, excuse me. So it's a, you know, it's a trade-off between what the employers are doing and where they're starting with the kids and what skill sets. Um, I mean, some of you, you might've seen that, that YouTube video where the kids are on an old rotary phone, they're going to make a call and they can't figure out how to do it. And we all laugh. Well, right. You know, before this 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 call went, um, I was getting re- reverb out of my out of my microphone. Um, I was getting uh, I, I, the, the sound was too low. I couldn't figure it out. So you know, I called my seventeen year old technical advisor. He came in here within you know eighteen seconds. He had fixed it. Seconds. Um, so um, so the difference is, um, um, I mean, one of the things we've done is we've rubriced these kids to death. And I see it in my classes where I want, I'm the bridge before they get out. I teach the senior level business to business. The kids are making phone calls or they're leaving voicemails, talking to gatekeepers. And I give them a wide uh, berth and say, here's the goal. This is what we need to do. What are you going to do? And they're waiting for me to plan everything out. The unfortunate part of of this generation, um, and they'll fix it on their own, but it'll, it'll, it'll have to be fixed, is, well, all their play dates were scheduled. I mean, if you and I wanted to play with someone, we walked down the street or we rode our bike, we knocked on the door. Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> we had to talk to mom or dad, and they would say, oh, you know, Bobby can't come out and play or um, whatever, uh, or he's not home. But we had an interaction. That's not the uh, as much to, uh, today. And the rubrics, the, my students just want to know what, you know, what did I do? What was exactly? I'm like, look, your customers are not going to give you 
all the PowerPoint slides for a 16-week sales cycle because it's not even going to be 16 weeks. It could be one week. It could be a year. And when I tell them, like, your sales cycle, depending on, you know, where you are, it could be over a year. They're like, really? It would take a year? <laughs> yes. And I said, in some industries, it could take a couple years in order, you know, large ticket items to build that trust, um, <clears throat> to run out of the other contract and whatnot. So, um I think the the creativity uh, or, or the ability not to follow somebody's rubric who they've handed to you is something that will that will that employers would have to further um, further develop. One of the other things <clears throat> you just got me thinking. Um, they're definitely a technology, you know, not across the board, but they're definitely technology driven and their, and their brain is fragmented into, you know, in 2020, now we're doing TikToks. Okay. Um, yes. They want a visual. Uh, I mean, they don't want to sit in a room where we talk too much. They need a visual stimulation for their brain. That's how they've been. That's how they've grown up. They want it to be a YouTube type experience where, Hey, I'm going to watch this for four minutes. We're going to do that. And then I got to, I got to click on another one. And I got to watch something else for three minutes. So our L and D, our learning and development and how we, how do we, you know, bring these young folks along. It's definitely different. And, and, and obviously a lot of companies get that, but some still don't see the multi-generational from, you know, boomers and uh, um, Xers and millennials and the Zs. Um, they don't learn the same way. Um and they don't remember in the same way. So, so if if going back to your original question was what do they need to do is they they need to be cognizant of how the young folks chunk in their brain and learn things, which is definitely different. Um, I've got doctor. I mean, I'm looking for anything around my desk, anything with words on it. Like Doctor P, that's a that's a lot of words. That's a lot of words. <laughs> yes, you're going to have to read, my man, in order to make it in this world. So, There was some research done in the past where they said, okay, people fall into four groups or styles of learning. There are people that are the, if you don't tell me why I need to learn this, what's the importance of this, that they'll just shut down and won't participate in that learning. And the second quadrant are people that tell me what to do. What's the process that you want me to do? And that's the most important part. The third part where I live is shut the hell up and let me go play with it and let me experience it. And then you got the fourth group that were the what ifs. Like, sure, this works in Illinois, but would it work in California? Which you're going, why are you thinking like that? Like, why wouldn't it? But they're the what if kind of people. So is that still true in this generation? I, I absolutely agree that there's there's still a natural uh, diffusion or distribution uh, bell curve of, of some variety. But I think they... Um, they fall more into the into the first quadrant that you mentioned. Um, mention it one more time. So, so can, why? So why I should I pay attention to this? They need to know that in order to devote time to it. They want to know why. They, uh, I mean, back in our day, we were just told to do something. We just go did it, yep. and we figured it out. If we didn't, we didn't know. Now um, they want to know why, and and there's some benefits to that. It's like, hey, why are we doing this? Because it goes back to that same story I just told about the Excel spreadsheet. I'm like, hey, why are we doing it this way? Oh, there's a better way. Sometimes I have to convince them of connect the why um, and once in a while. And with my own kids, just, I mean, it's, I'm sorry, dad, um, because I said so. I mean, at a certain point, you're just like, just move your fanny. I'm not going to explain because it'll take 10 minutes. I'll explain everything. It's a good like, job. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> or just freaking do it. Um, 
but this this generation i think has has moved more into that the why but also not just because why am i learning this but why are we doing this why do i want to work for this particular this particular company um and and how does that you know represent my value system uh, or meld with my with my value system um and what is my you know, going back to that rubric, I, I get done with something and they want immediate feedback, which is a different category, but, um, yeah, how'd I do? It's like, and, and, and after a while they kind of realized, you know, who I am and, and, and how I work and I'm old school. I mean, I worked a hundred percent commission on the phone for years selling mm-hmm. stock market quotation systems. Before that I was commission against draw, <clears throat> draw against commission, uh, for in the business form. So, you need to move. You need to. You need to go. And I will um, explain. But I. I want to see some. I want to see some ownership and not just a lemming doing what I tell you to do. Because you're you're not going to earn very much money if I tell you what to do and then you do it. I need you to own it and come back to me, the manager, whatnot. Says, hey, this is not working. Here's two ideas, and the two ideas could be totally wrong or uh, or unprofitable. But the fact that you at least thought about it, I want to reward that uh, behavior nice. because typically <clears throat> we're we've been telling these and structuring these kids' lives. So the why to me sometimes is frustrating. And it will be to any company. It's a it's a good question. How important is it to this generation not to make a mistake or be seen as not good enough? Is it the same as it always was, or are they more uh, sensitive to it? I think they 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 have a level of of perfection that they demand, and it's not perfection, but a level of being right that is certainly higher than than when we were that age, because they have access, unlimited access to everything, to mm-hmm. all answers. I mean. I ask Alexa a million things, you know, I mean, sometimes it's, it's routine. Um, hey, is so-and-so still alive? Or, uh, hey, I'm in Chicago. Hey, one of the Blackhawks play. But I know I can get the right answer very easily at my fingertips. Back in our day, it was just kind of vague. Um, I mean, you, like going back to the, you know, to the, to the old days, I, we used to go pick up my dad at the airport. I tell the students this, this is, well, it's always good to have someone at one location because you have a driver. I would hop out to help, you know, to go greet him and get his bags and bring him to the car. I knew where the car was because, you know, the cops weren't as bad back, back in those days because it's pre 9-11. I said, yeah, there would be somebody that could, that just in case all heck broke loose, you could call somebody and somebody at home would say, call and feel the, from the other person says, oh, they're waiting for you at so-and-so. Um, or the whole idea of, um, you know, a, a, an address saying, you know, um, Umar, please meet your party at uh, lower level carousel four. Right. I mean, we don't do that anymore. Everybody is perfectly yeah. <laughs> Everybody's perfectly connected with near perfect um, uh, information. And um, my wife is going to have a, a, a procedure later this week. And uh, she sent me a link. And, and I watched it. I heard the, another doctor talk about it. I actually watched this a training video or, or a video on how they were doing this. And I'm like, holy cow, this is just uh, amazing back in the day. So I think the why is more important. I think the um, asking more questions. But they've grown up in a world where if you really want to know anything, you can get that. And I think I didn't pay the rent. So I think my light just went out here. That's was helping not to cast a shadow. All right, good. We'll continue on. Rob, thanks so much for shedding light on this. The next generation of sales talent coming into the marketplace. We're going to put all your links 
and social media and websites and stuff on the show notes. Uh, just before we part company, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, well, I mean, if you go to Robert Peterson, PhD, Robert M. Peterson, if you go on to LinkedIn, that's a great way to, to find me. Uh, as of 2020, if you want to email me, it's pretty easy at Peterson at NIU, Northern Illinois University, NIU.edu. We're the second oldest sales program in the, in the country. And if I, if there's one other thing I wanted to tell you is that these kids are amazing, but they're, they're not without, you know, some, you know, some China doll, China doll syndrome. Um, 82, this was from our university. 82% said they feel overwhelmed. 78% said they're exhausted. 64 said they're, they're, um, they're feeling sad. And that's from the national college health assessment at our university. So even with all this resiliency, they have a feeling it's like, Oh, I feel overwhelmed and, and coping skills and whatnot. So I don't think that they're really China dolls that they're going to be broken into pieces, but that's what they're feeling. So, you, um, you know, bringing them out is what I, that's my job. I'm the last speed bump before they head to, to head to you. And I, I, I encourage them, love them, rough them up, give them a kick in the seat saying, let's go out there and do amazing things with the, you know, the time we have here on earth. Bob, thanks so much for doing that. It was a pleasure chatting with you and I'm looking forward to our next conversation. Good deal. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming. And that is the fastest way to get better results. 